0: Hello, and welcome to the Isn't It Lovely podcast, the podcast that seeks to shine the light on all that is lovely. I am Tracy. And I am Rachel. And we are so thrilled to welcome to the podcast
1: today, Lauren Callis, who is a dear friend of mine from back in the day. And she is also an art therapist and the co-founder of an amazing organization called Curiosity Studio. Curiosity Studio's mission is to help people get to know themselves through exploratory art making. And Lauren has an amazing conversation with us today about how art is legitimate form of therapy, how we can make art therapy accessible to all people, why it's important to be creative and messy and playful. And it was such a fun conversation.
0: It really was. We can't wait for you guys to hear.
1: Okay, you guys, I am sitting next to one of my favorite human beings on the planet, and I am so excited to get to make this introduction. So, Lauren, I have known you since you were a darling 18 year old. And I remember being at the time like just blown away because you had so much compassion and empathy and grace for being so young. And I feel like you have carried that with you your whole entire life. So, my question for you to start with is how did you develop those qualities? How was art a part of your upbringing and how did this lead you into your career as an art therapist? And for those who don't know, layered question number 4, could you describe a little bit of what art therapy is all about to our listeners? It's a lot. It's a lot there. Yes. Um okay,
2: so I would say let's start with art therapy because that one's not about me. So <laughs> the uh art therapy, I would say has a couple different camps that it can can come from. So you, I operate more from like a community art space model. And so that would be using art therapy as a way to help folks get to know themselves, Um, and more specifically just using art. It doesn't have to be in this therapeutic space. Um, And then I would say that art therapy for some is a more clinical-based practice that you're using art as a way to say, let's work on these goals using these materials and these mediums, and that then developing some of those therapeutic skills that don't happen without the modality of art involved. I feel like
1: I did a bad job describing this. You did a fantastic job it. describing I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah,
2: so those are, that's where sort of the art therapy piece comes from. And it all, for me, was a journey that I started on with my desire to do art and have done art my entire life. And then when it was time to find a path or a next step, when it was my you know college journey, I was all set up to study under a master painter and was not going to you know, pursue college. Cause I just wasn't that interested in teaching art, um, in the more like teaching, you know, what we think of as a teacher student relationship and didn't know anything about art therapy. And part of, I think that piece was that art has always been very intimate to me. It's been a very like personal skill set, journey, um, support network, all in its own little um, toolkit. And teaching that felt very abstract to me because I'd never learned art making with that lens. Um, I've had a lot of mentors and a lot of people that taught me how that inherently is part of the process of making art, but I didn't know that in a more like defined, here's what this degree is. And then shortly before I was set to You know, graduate, I learned of art therapy and was able to pursue that path from then on, which I'm so grateful for because I would have wasted a lot of time in college. I think I have a lot of interests and I would have, like, oh, I'm going to go here. And I would have, you know, so it, it saved me time to learn about art therapy when I did.
1: Which is completely understandable. And what sort of art forms did you particularly connect with as you were growing up? And in what ways did it provide you kind of with comfort and guidance during those formative years? Yeah. I
2: was trained as a painter and studied you know what does oil painting and acrylic painting do for me and there's I could get real nerdy about um what we call in the art therapy world the theory of materiality and so that would be like what are the qualities of you know the real technical terms of like how do we smoosh the paint what is the smoosh ratio I'm kidding but you know it's just smoosh yeah Yeah. into that um (laughs) But just more generally, you know, it's like, how do we interact with the material? Uh Um, And so that makes perfect sense to me when I learned that later on. I'm like, oh, this makes sense. Why paint kind of always felt like a natural space to kind of smoosh around and Uh um, explore. And then from my time in grad school, I was more attracted and kind of tapped into more of what I would call a family-like skill or craft, um, within the fiber world. So now I kind of dip my toes into both and I'd say I sew like a fiber or I sew like a painter and I paint like a fiber artist kind of, you know, like they're sort of mixed into one another now very intimately, but yeah. And all of those things tap into a bunch of stuff, you know, like fiber, I'd say I get a little bit more nerdy about, um, that's not true, but it just depends on the day. Uh, The history—I mean, I think whenever you start to study fiber, you study the world. You study the history of the world and materials and mediums, and um, that kind of forays into climate crisis conversations and how does fiber impact that. And um, all of those things, I think, politically, there's, like, this activism that can happen there for me a little bit more than with painting. So fiber allows me to explore different things. Um, But then— I don't know. That could be true of like sometimes I get really into cardboard and that's fun too. You know, Lauren, there's all, all kinds I of. It. I'm, a, so I'm cool. a material gal. How about that? I right? just really like materials. She's a material girl.
0: I love oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> She's living in a material <laughs> world. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Lauren, can you? So I don't really know. And I'm so excited to hear this answer. Art therapy. What does that look like? How, how Rachel sent me a little bit about it, but as a legitimate form of therapy, like how could someone come in and use art to heal? Yeah. I'm sure that's like, you can, there's so many ways to answer that, but in your experience.
2: Yes. I'll describe a couple different experiences because I think it looks different depending on the client. And I think art therapy offers a continuum of offerings that are, that's a little bit different. So if you think of, you know, a traditional talk therapy relationship, which are also incredibly valuable, you have this conversation and a dialogue and I'm speaking personally here. I lack a lot of language for things that I want to know or I want to figure out. And so visually that might give me some language that I otherwise wouldn't be able to explain. Mm -hmm. So art can offer this, dialogue that maybe we wouldn't be able to have if we were just in a conversation inherently art making is very therapeutic we are able to have successes we're able to have um, failures and learn from them we're able to have all of these elements that really build this continuum of care that we're hoping to do in any treatment setting where we're trying to provide a service and have um, folks get skills from this service and so in a very clinical specifically you know traditional um in a very traditional uh therapy space that might look very different mm-hmm. um, I would say in a clinical space I got to be very disenchanted by mm-hmm. the uh use that art was or I guess the efficacy of art wasn't given what it could you sure, know the, yeah. uh, there's a lot of barriers to mental health services and also barriers to any health care in our country and so we, I just felt like there were a lot of gaps in what we could even just like bill for. Mm -hmm. And I saw art therapy and art specifically as this incredibly powerful tool that we had to like jump through a lot of hoops. And so that made the art piece feel a lot harder than it is. So I think inherently we all are like aware of the the successes and the, the excitement that art brings into our lives. And just mm-hmm. aesthetically, we're all very attracted to aesthetics. That has something to be, you know, like there's yes. something to be said there. Of uh-huh. How we um, feel that our lives are improved based on the things that surround us, based on the the things that we see and enjoy. So there's, you know, there's a million ways that I could go with that. But specifically yeah. within a community art therapy space, it's using art as a means to connect with other people and also using art as a way to get to know yourself. And so what is it that you're learning through the creative process that is telling me, oh my God, I didn't realize I was like, so I just don't like these lines. Or if maybe it brings out some perfectionism things that you Uh can, you might not otherwise be able to face with such a um, safe distance or not even safe distance, but a kind of comfortable distance than if you were just in a kind of conversation with someone.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love
1: that so much. And I was just about to quote yourself back to you, and then you said it for me, that one of your values is that creativity is a point of connection that also helps build community. And you've touched on why accessibility is important to you. And you have an amazing studio called Curiosity Studio. Could you share with our listeners the type of classes that you offer? You were also very intentional about the location for your studio. So could you talk about that a little bit and how this all incorporates your general values and makes it possible for more people to have access so beautiful question um the art as i mentioned the clinical
2: space started to get a little bit bogged down for me and i think you could argue that's a million different things as i said it's not great to need services in this country and so that was a piece of it and then also having Just so much that I wanted to prove about art that maybe doesn't fit within this insurance model that we are used to in this country. And Mm so Curiosity Studio was something that I was able to co-found as a result of moving away from a clinical space and moving into a space that was more of that community art approach so that looks like a studio it's a it's an open space it's a space where folks can come in and make art without any previous experience required and then there's some programs where maybe we're like oh have you know have this skill um, before you can come in uh, for this class because it just might be more useful but for the most part we're trying to remove a lot of the barriers that come with art making or keep people from making art i think in answer to one of your other questions and i'm very tangential so Probably not even addressing the okay, thing. You're,
0: <laughs> you're creative. We you're love welcome it. here. Yes. <laughs> we're, flow, we're flowing along. It's yes, amazing. Yes. yes. Um,
2: you know, I don't I don't know. I think there's a lot of ways that we offer or we foster empathy and care and all these things. But I also would argue that we're like kind of born with all of those things. And then as time goes on, those things are like stripped from all of us. And so it's almost just like, how do we fight for those curiosities, those empathy Mm. approaches, those relationship pieces to remain at the forefront. Cause we all get bogged down by just living. And so Mm -hmm. it's a very fair thing. I think when we start to lose some of those things. And so one of the things at curiosity studio that we really like to do with art is to invite people back into relationships with one another, to invite people back into their bodies. We have a pretty consistent, track record when we, uh, ignore our bodies to start to just feel overwhelmed much more easily. And so Mm -hmm. how do we encourage folks to go back into their bodies? The art process is incredibly useful for that. You're very quickly able to feel your body when you're pushing a crayon versus when you're pushing an oil pastel. It's like, Oh, one of these moves a lot smoother than the other. You feel that you're very capable of feeling that your body is, Mm -hmm. um, able to tell you that information. And so, Anytime, you know, we kind of get into this cycle of, you know, whether we call it like capital T trauma, fight, flight, freeze type of stuff, or we're just a human living in the United States, it's hard to um, remember that we have a body that needs our care and love. And so how can art be a tool for us to get back into that? And. That's a lot of what we try to offer in our classes. And that's a lot of our classes are maybe like, you know, mending 101. you're gonna learn this skill and that will also make you feel empowered, um, hopefully. You know, sometimes you feel right. incredibly discouraged and then that's information. I think one of the biggest um, broken record sentences that I say at work all the time is just like, it's all information, you know, it's all, it's all information. Our, our art making process, our, our interactions with others in the spaces, it's all, it's mm-hmm. all information.
0: Wow. I want to go to one of your classes because I, I just, I'm that. trying to imagine. So as, as you, they're doing this art or they're doing this class, are you mm-hmm. around talking and saying mm-hmm. things like, what are you feeling while you're pushing
2: There's, that kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, Some of that. Yep. Okay. So some, sometimes it depends on the class and okay. depends on the instructor. Um, we, I can give you an example. So yes. we have one class that we developed just cause we found that there is a bit of a difference, let's say between this and saying, I'm going to go take a pottery class at, mm. X space, you know, it's yes. like you expect an outcome and the product is more of the emphasis versus mm-hmm. the process. And I would mm-hmm. say at curiosity studio, we're very process oriented. So we're saying what is happening in the process and what can we learn in the process that then helps us teach about ourselves um, or teach us as, teaches us about others. Mm-hmm. And so, with this particular um, example, Curiosity 101, one of the first exercises we do, and I would say everything um, that we try to do is also moving at the pace of trust, to quote Adrienne Marie Brown, who's one of our our fave, uh, you know, folks that we follow, kind of her facilitation model as well. Mm-hmm. And how do we build trust for or with this group? And so, one of We always try to think about scaffolding. Um, Well, let me back up. So I think one of the things that happens as we get older is we lose this like meaningful part of the process, which is failing. And one of the meaningful parts of the process that is trying something and it not working. I don't even think failure is the right word. But how can we like make that not as big of a deal? How can we make that part of the process feel um, meaningful instead of like, oh, I messed up. You know, yes. and that that is a lot of the the work through emotion, you know, like how do we work through that? And that's a huge thing. That's that's something that we all as humans have experienced. So using the art process as a tool within that is is sort of the goal of a lot of the classes and programming. So back to my example, we do a lot of scaffolding. And one of the first activities we do in this curiosity one on one classes, we draw using graphite but powder. And so you're using your fingers to just really spread this graphite around. You might start to notice that the graphite is not building at the rate that you thought it would. Maybe it's like a lot less. um, The variant of the color is a lot like, oh, man, it doesn't get as dark as I wanted, Or maybe it's getting too like Mm -hmm. dark. And, you know, you you don't have as much control. And so Mm -hmm. we can again, that's all information. It's something that we can kind of start to observe. And then usually people don't bring it home. And that's different, you know, that's a different thing than um, maybe if you were going to a class where you were expecting a product and um, we want to encourage folks to, you know, no different than if you go to a yoga practice, you're going to say, oh, wow, I tried this new move and I got a little bit more farther, you know, into my stretch or whatever the case is. And that's enough. You mm. know, we we have a weird relationship with like outcome and products yeah. and things like that. So.
0: This is so interesting. Wow. Yeah. I want to go back to something Rachel asked you about, um, just she has told me that it's very art is really important to be accessible. Mm-hmm. And so where you chose your studio, can you tell us mm-hmm. about that? So
2: we were really mindful when trying to find a location for curiosity studio. The first uh, location we had was located in a big arts building called the Northrop King building. That building is sort of a maze. So you would, you arrive and it's, it's, full of artists and that's a very inspiring place to be. And I would say if you're feeling a little intimidated by the creative process, it can feel a bit overwhelming because you're like, Oh, these are all established artists. And am I supposed to have an established art practice? And then you go on and you're not um, feeling maybe as empowered as you could when you walked in. And also it just was like garbage for getting, you know, any wheelchair in the building? It was garbage for like just general directions. You're like, is this north? Is this south? So we and no, no offense to the North King Building, but it just wasn't <laughs> working for us. Uh, um, It just wasn't working, and so we were able to find a space um, on Lake Street, which is a pretty dominant corridor. It is a area that we wanted to be because it is on a main bus line. It has um, easy walkability. It's um, a, you know, you can go directly into the building. It was, um, really exciting to have the landlords that we do there, you know, the bakery right next door. And they're so, uh, community focused in their bakery, which I think is a lovely thing. We were able to have good partners. And so it just was a million little things. I think that, you know, one of the things I, when I was preparing is like, what is the, you know, one of my favorite, figures within the art therapy community. Her name's Pat Allen and she talks about like what is the way that you can create the most ease when you're making art. And I think Hmm. as a facilitator, our role is to remove all of the things that don't create ease Mm -hmm. to your ability to access this service. Whether it's I just have a ton of intimidation when it comes to art because I had someone once tell me that I didn't do a good job drawing and that makes me feel like I can't do this. And then what a shame that this person can't You know, access this really therapeutically, um, just inherently therapeutic process uh, with that one comment still kind of in the back of their head. So we do that piece, but then also just actual accessibility to the building and space. How do we consult with folks that have disabilities to be able to bring that perspective in and how does, how did that help us build the space? So we were, we were trying to find a bunch of different avenues to, you know, do the best we could. And I think that every space is going to have its challenges, but it was really a really great thing to just be more visible also for just people to be able to walk up and
0: see it. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's just so thoughtful. Like how fun to hear, like how it was all made behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. all the thought you guys put into it. It's really outstanding. We hope to have so a building too. soon, Rachel, and, or a studio too. We yeah. have to think about all these things. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fun to think about. And
2: it's, it's easy not to. Yes. I think that's the other thing that we try to center at Curiosity Studio is that these are all choices that mm. we must make. And I don't know if how I would want to say this, but like, I just think that it's very easy these days to not have to consider a lot of things. And so to consider those things it's a lot easier not, I don't know how to say that, but like, it's just, it's a lot easier to not consider things. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can be a model for thoughtfulness, that is the hope that folks are more thoughtful. How can Mm -hmm. we be more thoughtful as in how we set up everything? How do we, cause it's of course a slippery slope. All of a sudden you're like, Oh wow. If I, if I care about this, I actually have to care about this. And and if I care about this, Oh shoot, I have to care about this too. So it's uh it's a challenge. And that's a thing that I hope people choose, you know, and yeah,
1: well, I think that you're modeling it beautifully. Mm -hmm. And I also feel like Lauren, what I hear you saying is that through art, people can find comfort. Mm -hmm. They can find healing. They can find connection and community in their own lives. So, uh, you are based in Minneapolis, but you do a variety of Zoom classes, so mm-hmm. you don't have to be local to come mm-hmm. and take your classes. But what are some other ways you maybe would encourage our listeners to use art and play and creativity um, in their own lives, in their own homes or communities, or with their own resources? What's some encouragement that maybe you would give to people that are looking to explore this part of themselves mm-hmm. a little bit more? Mm-hmm
2: we have a lot of emphasis on what in our society it means to be good at something. And I just don't want that language to be um, a part of folks conversations when it comes to like, how do I be good at this? It's like, Oh, that's not the first goal. You know, it's not the first piece that we want to actually like, what is actually what I like to say is what moves you towards X, you know? So if it's like, what moves you towards comfort, Is it this material or this material? Is it, because it might not be the same for every person, you know? So if you're finding yourself excited by a a creative material, if you're finding yourself excited by gardening, what moves you towards this process? What moves you towards this? What moves you away from it? Then that's one that you're going to just kind of like, you know, maybe... Revisit it another time. So um, we're always trying to figure out how do we encourage folks to move towards whether it's ease or comfort or safety or um, liberation or freedom, and how does it move you away from those things? And how can we edit to make that an easier or harder thing? I don't know. We wouldn't want to make it harder, but you know what I mean, right? Yes, I love. It's more of a spectrum and a continuum than it is a. I have arrived, you know, and that I think comes back to, two. like, I mean, and this is where I tend to end up, but capitalism has also taught us to be very product oriented and Mm. we don't need to have an ending to everything. I think to have an art practice means that it's something that you're always learning from. I love to look at old models of how we've taught skills and crafts within history. And, um, I think that, just those like appreciation to the material used, to the um fiber that was grown, to the bread, flour that was used. You know, we notice those differences and we notice the shortcuts. And, you know, we don't have to start a class with like the the history of an entire existence of a material or piece of material, but I think that Encouraging folks to be curious about their environment is a way that we try to get folks to pay attention to what their body feels like. What does your what does it feel like when you're touching this material? What does it feel like when you're um, exploring this material in your body? And. How can you move towards that again, if you liked it, you know, and mm-hmm. if you didn't,
1: then mm-hmm. how do we change that and move towards the the thing that you were enjoying? I love this so much. And Tracy and I've had a lot of conversations lately about our own identity. Oh, and yeah. I feel like these are such incredible questions to ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we truly get to know who we are and what is important to us. And then we can bring that into the community with other mm-hmm. people. So we don't just have to love a certain practice just because our best friends do, mm-hmm. but we can bring our own interests to the table and then find a way for those to compliment one another. So yeah. I just love that sort of journey of understanding your own identity a little bit better too that's so
0: amazing that's so beautiful
2: and ultimately we're very much rooted in this how can we be a community service and a community resource and we often think very outward when we talk about community we're like we gotta be good for the community and we gotta do but so much of that work starts with ourselves and relationships and then ultimately community like it's it's definitely scaffolding um we're exploring this right now for mental health awareness month. We're theming each week out and starting small. So it's, who are you? And then it's, what's your environment? How do you surround yourself? Who do you surround yourself by? What are the things you put in your environment and where do you live and how does that impact you? Whatever. And then relationships. And then beyond that, um, ultimately community. So it's, you know, you could call it Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You could call it a million different things, but ultimately it's just, we, it's a ripple effect, um, if we are paying attention to ourselves. And I think that's the other thing about art is that it, it is a very personal process and it's one of those processes that we can invite others into. And that feels a little bit more, um, exciting to some folks to be like, I am learning this instead of, you know, how many people have we talked to in our lives that are like, I don't really do emotional stuff. You're like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this. And it's like, Oh, I could talk about, wood all day though. You know, like how does this wood like feel different from this wood? Or I don't know, weird example, but you get my point. Like there's, we have this third thing. Um, so in my field, we call it the third hand in some fields, they call it the third space. So what's this other thing that we can use as a launch point to our connection and our communication and our relationships, um, that isn't necessarily us having to like look at each other and make this like meaningful deep thing. Cause that might just not feel good. You know, it might not feel safe or you might not feel like prepared for that within that relationship. So we can do the same thing with art. We can have this third thing that can be a tool for us to hmm. build from.
1: I love that so much. I enjoy prolonged, intense eye contact. <laughs> I'm doing it with Lauren right now, but realizing yeah. not everybody is comfortable everybody, with that. Yes. And we have a relationship, right? We can, we can do that. That's right, exactly. I'm, I'm touching her as we record, but you're right. But if you're in a situation too where you're sitting side by side with somebody mm-hmm. and you're sharing that and you don't necessarily have to be looking deeply into each other's eyes and souls, but to share that experience, I think that's amazing. Lauren, mm-hmm. thank you so much for sort of just deconstructing this and just sort
0: of educating all of us in this particular arena. It is so fascinating. It is really, It is really cool. We just, we had some hunters come on Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and it, for some reason, this is reminding me of that. Cause when we think about like men bonding mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. I love this idea of this third, mm-hmm. this third space that allows connection. And for them, it was going out into the wilderness and literally looking for animals, mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know, and they, didn't, around, yeah. yes, and and they it, didn't get any, but it was like, it was mm-hmm. so just being in nature and using nature as that connection yeah. point.
2: And it's built around a shared experience, right? Yes. And I yes. think that's what. You know, whether it's, I just read this book on like the history of craft. So it's all very like top of mind, but it's like, we, we've lost some of these things too. Mm -hmm. And so we all feel um, a special kind of kindred bonding when we're, when we're taking some kind of organization, whether it's an activity or a conversation around something that we hold dear, Mm -hmm. it just, it fires different parts of our brain and it feels like we're wanting to preserve something, you know? So whether it's hunting, whether it's, it's,
0: it's all there. Oh, it's so good. We've had so many interviews that just intertwine this idea of community. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been like ever, it's just, wow, this is the message of the season. I agree. Community. Yeah,
1: it's the invisible thread that is tied yes. all of these very disparate conversations together. It is it's really incredible.
0: cool. It's really awesome. Um, Lauren, we end every episode by talking about something we're loving. And I want to I be like, I'm just loving Lauren and <laughs> her work. So <laughs> I'm going to use that as an answer, but then I'm going to really answer too. But what is something that you are loving this week? It could be anything. It could be food, a person, a book. I would
1: uh, okay. yeah, type <laughs> of wood. Graphite powder. Um, yeah, yeah. Right.
0: I, I'm trying to think of an answer that would be good for this show. Um, <laughs> it have, doesn't have to fit either. We've said the most random thing. We've yeah. said it all. Yes. Oh, I know. Yes. I just
2: get so heady so fast. Uh, it's like, I'm reading this book about the history of but yes. I really am. Yes. I'm, reading, I'm reading a great book right now. Um, my friend and I have a two person book club where oh, we've logic. been reading some books that kind of deconstruct what the history of craft is, as I said, but there's Mm -hmm. one now that we're delving into called Worn. It's called, or it's um, exploring the history of fiber within Mm. the global, you know, timeline. So where did we come from with our, you know, how did our clothes come to be and Ah. how did we start to learn about how fiber exists in our environments? And it's, it's very interesting, but it's a very, it's like a thick, it's I a love
1: it. About- this is thrilling yeah. because anybody who follows it's thrilling. thrilling. <laughs> it's just thrilling. It yeah. It's thrilling That's to what me. One word do you for <laughs> <word? laughs> thrilling to me because for anybody that also follows Lauren on social media like I don't I am and again I'm trying to change my narrative Lauren, that I'm I'm not as artistic or creative mm-hmm. as I would love to be and I will look at you and you will have found a sweater and you will repurpose that and you will unravel that yarn and you will dye it and you will craft something else entirely new out of it and it is so exciting to me because my brain doesn't work like mm-hmm. that or I haven't learned that and so I just admire that so
0: much in you so when you talk love about that. this it's so it's so great. Oh my that. gosh, I love that. Okay, how about to trace um do you see me scrolling my pictures right now I'm yes like, i do i always tell rachel i always take screenshots mm-hmm. of everything that i let, like, like everything and so obviously my phone is full of just like crap that i've taken <laughs> screenshots of um okay i was trying to think about this this is the stupidest thing ever but it is something that i use every single day we will link i don't know the name of it but i will link it we will link it in our show notes but my neighbor gets me farm fresh eggs from mm. a, uh, one of her friends' farm, and we pay something ridiculously cheap for it. And it, they're just the most delicious farm eggs I've ever had. That's wonderful. And I buy, sometimes I'll buy eggs from the store and have them, and they taste so different. Um, so anyhow, I bought so I eat eggs every day. Why am I talking about eggs, you guys? I don't know how we got here, but I'm just leaning in. Leaning back in. to our roots. I'm here for it. <laughs> it's so good. Um, but I bought this machine. I don't even know what it's called, but you can put the eggs in them, you like pierce them with this little tool that it comes with, and you just pop it in with some water. You can make hard-boiled eggs, soft-boiled eggs, over easy eggs, but you just do it, you pop it in, you press the little button, walk away, and you come back and they're perfect. And I have them every single morning. Whoa. It's so good. I bought it on Amazon. I will put the link. I can't remember who told me about it. I think it was my sister-in-law, Catherine. And it has just been life-changing because cool. it's like I have to eat breakfast and I've noticed that all I want to eat is eggs because I just need that protein hit in the morning. It's the egg machine. I'm going to call it the egg machine. That's not <laughs> what it's called, oh. but it's an egg machine. Kay. I love the egg
1: machine. Farm fresh eggs. Farm oh fresh God. egg machine. Kay. This is a very wholesome what we're loving this <laughs> weekend, guys. <laughs>
0: What is I going on? I love it. Okay, Rachel, bring us something really fun. What do, you, what do you got?
1: I am bringing you the funnest because I really am bringing you Lauren Callis. Oh, I, I love it. For, real, yes. for real. She is and the best. You guys and I have been thinking about this ever since Lauren so graciously agreed to be on the podcast um, earlier this year. But Lauren, you are just so extraordinary. I love you so much. Oh. And again, from the time you were 18, I don't know anybody in my life who is as genuine and authentic as you and true to the values that are in your heart. And again, even as this sweet 18-year-old young lady, You had such a huge heart for other people and there was an empathy and a graciousness and to use your word, curiosity about their story. And you came in with such an utter lack of judgment. And I've seen that grow in you over the years and into the extraordinary woman that you are today. And just to use an overused expression, you put your money where your mouth is. I mean, you live it out with your career, with the things that you give your time to, your resources, the greater place that you have in in the world and a global perspective and it is so personally inspiring. To me, that you have been so consistent over the entire time that I've known you, and it is an inspiration to me. You are an inspiration to oh, me, and I love you. So I am loving Lauren Callis, and I'm oh, so excited for really people. So nice to follow you. Can we're going to link your... Lauren
0: in the show that's notes? Right. Yes, there's <laughs> a giant picture of they Lauren. made a hologram,
1: hefty,
2: <laughs> hefty price tag, might I say?
1: <laughs> there's a there's a hologram of Lauren. They'll be. Oh, we're going to be mailing out posters of Lauren. <laughs> She's going to sign them. It's going to be amazing. Um, could you tell us where we can all find yeah. you on the web, socials, anywhere that We can find you. Um, So come on down to Curiosity Studio. It's on Thirty
2: Sixth and Lake in Minneapolis. And if you're not local, we do kits and art experiences online um, at all times. So you can sign up at the news uh, on the website. There's a newsletter sign up, and so you can
1: learn what's happening. Yes, you have a fantastic newsletter and I've also purchased your kit and you also include snacks in every kit, which I feel like is a very important thing to say.
0: Snacks is one of our values. (laughs) It's one of my values too. It should be everybody's. Also eggs. You guys, I'm even looking at her Instagram and I just, it's just so impressive what you're doing. Oh, thank so thank you. you. Thank you for leaning into your gift and doing it. It's just, it's really tremendous. There's a lot of folks
2: involved. There's, there's a lot of people that.
0: And she's also humble. Oh. I know. And gracious. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Isn't It Lovely? If you love what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe by
1: clicking on our show in your favorite podcast app and following the prompts. You can download all of our episodes
0: on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud,
1: and Google Podcasts.
0: You can also find all of our episodes on our website at www.isitnotlovely.com. And we are also on Instagram and our handle is Is isitnotlovelypodcast. Keep looking for the lovely in all things. Thanks for listening.